I've come to a complete understanding that there's a balance here. Hmm. A balance in trusting myself and a balance in realizing that I'm in no control at all. Zero. Because when I choose to trust myself, what I'm also choosing to trust is something bigger than me. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Vitruvian Podcast, a podcast centered around self-mastery. I'm your host, Zach Shankin. Today, I'm joined by JB Copeland. JB is a creative entrepreneur, storyteller, and former collegiate athlete, but you know JB for his social media takeover, sharing his story of battling with and defeating addiction and healing the wounds necessary to do so. JB leads from the front with vulnerability and authenticity, and his strength on camera does not come from acting classes. I'm beyond excited for a great and grateful for our conversation today. JB, welcome to the show, brother. Man, thank you, and thank you for the, the intro. Of course, bro. I have to have to give the shine. I think I was telling somebody the other day, um, they were asking kind of how I prepare for podcasts, and I even went into it a little bit in the behind-the-scenes vlog of prepping for this, but they were asking about preparation and how I think about it. I never conduct these like an interview. It's just yep. a conversation. I yep. think that connects most with people. They can feel that human element. It's like what comes through in your content. And uh, I kind of have distilled down like my, my job at the very beginning is to just get the guest as comfortable as possible. And it never hurts to make somebody smile. So I always <laughs> try to be like overly gratuitous with the compliments. Yep. Um, and obviously coming from a place of genuine authenticity on my end. Like I mean every word that I say, otherwise I wouldn't say it. Yeah, man. And, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. It was incredible. I think, you know, we were just going back and forth on why you were even open to having this podcast, um, facilitating it um, with your production and everything, uh, letting me come here to Dallas, for which I'm super grateful. And I think it speaks to your character, just kind of be opening that door. Um, would you care to like let people in a little bit on why you said yes? Yeah. I haven't said yes to a ton of podcasts. Um, and the reason is, is because like, you know, a lot of people want to hear the same story over and over again. And I'm so down with it. And I'm, I know that you're going to ask me questions about my story and which is so great. And I'm excited to, I'm excited to share it, but I love, I love what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, men are your demographic and I know that men need help and I know that men um, have a hard time finding that help, um, especially in the mental health space. And so that's number one. I love what you're doing. Number two is you sent me a, a DM. It wasn't even a DM. It was a video DM. And I get DMs all day of, you know, hey, let me build you a, a community and we'll split it 50, 50, you know, whatever. But you sent me a video. And that just showed, I don't know, that, that's not that it was clickbait, but I was like, oh, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. Because someone just sent a video and there's, there's no text on here. It's just, I have to listen to this video. You know, it sparked my curiosity. Um, and then your willingness to fly here and to make it happen. I was like, you know, we were kind of talking about your clients and it's like, um, you know, they buy in and like, it means something to them. And for you to do that showed me that like this means something to you. And for me, that makes it want to mean something to me too. And so that's, that's why. Uh, it's really special to hear. And, uh, you know, we were going back and forth before this as well, talking about like stepping through open doors. And it's something that I've had to, in this previous year, affirm to myself, first of all, the confidence to send the outreach. Oh, like yeah. There's all these limiting beliefs like, oh, they're so they're X, Y, and Z scale as a creator or they're a huge author. They're a huge whatever writer. I, I shouldn't reach out. Why would they come on my podcast? Well, if you never ask, they can't say yes. Right. They physically cannot because they don't even know the ask exists. <laughs> um, and then secondarily, I like the video outreach thing. I have a friend, Ryan, who also has a podcast and we kind of co-formulated that like idea because ultimately if I'm going to be face to face with you, you're going to see what I look like. Right. And my face is all over the internet. Your face is all over the internet. So I think that is a great separator in the inbox. Um, so for anyone who's trying to get an attention of anyone, whether it is 
say, I, I don't know, I even think like if I were to return to a traditional workforce, like I would apply to jobs. Like I would send cold emails with a video attached because no you immediately humanize yourself. You take it from just a username or a number on a screen right. to a human being, which yep. ultimately like connection is so intrinsic to us as people and somebody like Completely yourself, agree. like, I mean, you've grown, I don't know, like almost double, at least 1.5 X since I even reached out to you. But as I talked about it in like the vlog, like I didn't reach out and I don't reach out to guests at all for like some sort of clout chasing platforming thing. I just genuinely want to talk to people. And I think it's really profound the level of authenticity and vulnerability that you share in your, your content. And it's what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but I'm glad that you touched on the story thing because that is something that I have to, as a host, think about with larger and larger guests, right? Like you're, you have shared your story, not only yeah. on your own platform, but on others. So how can I facilitate a conversation that is different and the story will naturally kind of- This is a podcast workshop. I'll give you the answer to this because I have shared my story and my no, I know my story's, out, my story's out there and it's so important to what I do, but I'm not defined by my story. Right. And I think, I think a lot of people can buy into that and it's like, I'm the addiction guy or I'm the sobriety guy. And I made a decision very early on that I'm not that mm -hmm. um, because I'm not defined by my past. Um, I could buy into that. I could, I could do a ton of stuff. I could, I could sell workbooks on how to overcome addiction or how to be sober or, you know, do coaching and all this stuff. But like my, when I think about wanting to help people, I want to talk about restoration. I want to talk about hope. And that probably shines through in my videos. That's, that's my hope is like, hey, I'm going to validate you, but there's hope for your situation, no matter the pain that you've been through. And so when I think about being on a podcast, it's like, yo, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about not everyone's going to want to sit here and listen to my story, what they want to hear. And people, listeners, even the ones listening right now, and when I listen, are listening because they need something. Right. And so, you know, a story definitely connects. Well, that's the power of story, right? Because right. when, we, when we listen to stories, whether fictional or real right. or some blend of the two, you're trying to place yourself in the story. No doubt. Am I the hero? Am I the anti-hero? Exactly. Am I the villain? Yep. Um, and that's why the vulnerability opens the door for, for sure. someone to feel seen like, you know, it's not exactly like that. I'm dealing with a mom instead of a dad or I'm dealing with, you know, a toxic relationship instead of a toxic substance. But that's right. how I feel. For sure. That pain is me. That, that moment is me. But we're not going to stay there. Right. You right. Know? And it's, it's yeah. the transcendence through. Yes. Um, so in thinking about how I could potentially frame this conversation, I want to frame it generally around words. I talk a lot about the importance of the words that we use, the power of language. Obviously, you come from a Christian background. I also was raised Christian. Uh, non-declared now, but certainly the Bible is an important book to me. Right. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word yep. was God. Yep. I think that is extremely important. So one question that I want to pose um, about having you gone through a recovery program, one thing that's always rubbed me the wrong way, um, and this is an outsider's perspective, about um, traditional 12-step programs is that they call people addicts for life. And I always thought that it's like you are literally affirming to yourself the story that you're trapped in that previous identity. So I find that very pr problematic. Do you still call yourself that? Was that a part of your program? I want to hear your thoughts kind of on that. Yeah, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, here's, here's what I'll say is that, you know, I went to rehab two years ago and it saved my life. Um, I think the biggest part of it that saved my life was being in a safe place of community of people that were going through the same things as me. And there was also a side of it that I had to suck it up and, and be there for 60 days with no phone and no outside communication. It was, it was a forced, it was a forced surrender and I couldn't do anything about it. Even if I didn't want to surrender, I had to surrender or I was going to hate my life for 60 days. Um, AA and the 12 steps were a huge part of that recovery. With that being said, like, I think it can help tons of people 
and I think it continues to help tons of people. But um, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna figure out how to frame this. But there's always a heart and a motive behind something, mm. always. And what I began to see, and I'm not saying that every single AA group is like this, but what I began to see is that I just came from a place in my life where fear was the motivation. If I don't act right, then I'm not good enough. If I don't do this, then I'm not good enough. And that was in the sense of like religion and church and even just like the culture of my family and the culture of like playing football and, you know, football is a huge part. Like if I don't do this, if we don't do this, I'm not good enough. So then I go to rehab for 60 days and a lot of it was, it wasn't all AA stuff. It was a lot of EMDR therapy. It was like uh, equine therapy. It was nature. It was like this reconnection, this uprooting is what I call it. Like and all the old roots were pulled out of me and a new seed was planted. And I realized that I had been living out of a place of a motivation of fear, which I call a lack mindset. Like I am not enough unless I do. Well, then I'm going into 12 step meetings, going through this, this replanting and this new growth system. And through that, at a certain point, there was a reconnection with me that I had lost a long time ago. And that reconnection was, I love me. And what I love me means is that I trust me. And if I trust me, that means that I can listen to what I feel. And what I saw in these meetings was like, don't, don't listen to that. And there's a quote, I, I think it was Bob Marley, and it says, anything that takes your free will is the devil itself. Mm. And not that AA did that um, for me. I, I mean, I'm sure it's done it for a, a lot of people, and I'm sure the church has done it for a lot of people, these amazing institutions. Um, because at the end of the day, the Bible does say we battle not with flesh and blood, but with, with principalities. It's, it's a, a motivation. It's a spirit. It's something that, like, rules over something. Mm. And um, that comes from generational trauma. It's passed down. And so I started to realize the things that were said was, number one, I have to call myself an addict every day, which I'm fine with. I'll say it. But number two is that if I don't do this step, I'm going to relapse. And if I don't do it your way, then I'm going to leave. I, I mean, over and over, you're going to leave these rooms. You're going to go out there and you're going to get drunk or you're going to go out there and you're going to take another painkiller and you're going to be right where you were 30 days ago. And it, and I reconnected with myself and it didn't sit right. And I think a lot of people ignore what doesn't sit right, even if it's very subtle. And it didn't sit right with me. And I was like, I'm not, these people here, are amazing people and they've been through hell because I know what they've been through. But I think that they're being coerced into believing that they're not enough unless they do this, this, and this. And here's the thing. Those steps are so important. The step four, like resentment list and all these things that I went through are so important. But what is the motivation? Why am I doing this? Is it out of lack or is it out of a fact that like I'm good I just need to get this stuff out of me. Or if I don't do this, I'm screwed. So. Yeah, and I, and I I mean, return to the Bible just because it, it has yeah. so many words of wisdom, but like you will know them by their fruits is one that I return to all the time. And the writing is on the wall with the 12-step programs as far as re relapse rate or whatever you want to call it. Like it, it flat out statistically is a flawed system. Completely. And in my opinion, a lot of that is the words. It's the language. It's the identity. And... You know, you're talking about someone speaking over you in a group. Like, in my opinion, that's like casting spells, like actively casting spells Word over curse, a group. Word curse, bro. Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, I love that you touched on intuition and that inner knowing. We, because I do think, especially men, but generally, uh, we've been raised in this time where we kind of, as a previous guest of mine on the podcast, Reva, she calls it like the church of graphs. Um, graphs meaning like graphs on a spreadsheet and it's we've replaced God with science and we're obsessed with data like how many studies do you have to prove that like yep, can I yep. quantitatively point and say this is going to have an xyz success rate but the the inner knowing that that feeling cannot and should not be overwritten whether you choose the evolutionary side or the more spiritual that intelligence whatever it is 
has been around way longer than your cognitive mind and your rational mind could ever be. Like the fact that we have the ability as people, when you enter a room, to assess the vibe and immediately feel safe or unsafe. Like to me, by all intents and purposes, it's magic. Like it is a, right. it is a spiritual, magical ability. And a lot of people would overwrite that. They immediately feel the feeling, but then they start looking for evidence against it. No, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm just nervous. I've never been here before. Like that person, they're, they're probably up to good intentions. I, I misunderstood what they said, or they really do care about me. They just can't show up because they're stressed with work. Like we continue to self-abandon and use our rational mind to walk away. And I think a lot of that is the words, not only that, we use about ourselves, yeah. but people are feeding us about ourselves. Yeah, it, we self-abandon and we call it God. And that's, that is, was my life, was I'm defective and this institution or this method or this feeling that I'm feeling, you know, that I, I feel like I, I must do this to get here, that's God. And, but what I realized was, dang, like there's so many people on this earth that ignore peace and they ignore peace because they don't recognize what peace truly is. And what peace truly is, is that feeling within you that right there is a, that's a, it's a compass. I call it my compass. And it's like, you know, I've heard over and over, Hey, your feelings lie. Hmm. No, I don't think my feelings lie. I think that my feelings actually are a compass that matched with my logic and my brain can help me make decisions. So if I walk into a situation and I don't feel safe, it's not that my feelings are lying. Yeah, there's probably like, we're, we're, it's, it's a, a normal room, there's people there, but I feel off. Am I, are my feelings lying? Or is something trying to tell me something? And tapping into that and saying, yeah, I'm going to trust myself. We live in a generation and we live in a world where there's a high lack of self-trust because everything is everything around us other than podcasts like this are telling us to not listen to what we're saying because we're defective. And that's not true. Why would God or why would the universe or why would something bigger create us as defective? I, I don't. And so that's where things started to change my mind was when people are are speaking these things or I feel this energy or I feel like things are off I need to start listening to this um I I had quit my job and it was in March of last year before I started posting congrats and, thank you and my boss said uh you're about to walk into famine hmm and because like, you know, you're leaving this safe haven, God. And I was like, fuck you, bro. Like, I, you know, we're probably gonna have to cut that out. But nah, leave, leave. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, dude, says who? That's just your fear springing and, and sprouting out on me. And fear is a sticky thing. And so in that moment, if I would have not been regulated, if I, if I would have not done the work, if I would have not trusted myself, I would have bought into that. And when you buy into things like that, the curse comes true. Right. And what I love, though, is that in that moment, paired with your self-awareness, it becomes not a, not a deference to your decision, but an affirmation. Completely. Like when you speak those words, it's like, this is exactly why I'm right. There's a, what's the quote? It's uh, when I'm invalidated by those who, uh, who benefited from my brokenness, that's all the validation I need. Mm. And at the end of the day, like, as you go through a healing process, you, you begin to see people in a new light. And here's the thing, is that everyone has their own issues. Everyone, generational trauma is passed down. And so what they see as love deep in their heart is not. And so this guy was trying to warn me in a loving way, as a, a father figure would. But at the end of the day, he, all he's doing is projecting his own fear on me. And so being connected with me and that intuition gave me the ability to, to you know, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Like, I don't have to listen to everything that people say. 
and I don't have to like sell myself or to, you know, follow everything this institution says or everything this man says because like everything he says is right. It's not true. And so my truth became what I felt mm. and what I believed because I decided it says in the, God lives in me. He is, he is the vine. I am the branch. So that means God dwells in me. And so I'm going to stop ignoring him. It's amazing. Yeah. I put something out a while ago that said like your intuition is never wrong. You either misunderstand it or ignore it. Yep. And, and I think that that's where the issue comes to be with people judging people who are these, you know, woo woo, follow your intuition, follow your feelings people. And then they get results. Again, you know them by their fruit. You see these people end up with maybe unsavory outcomes, whatever it may be in their life. And then people are like, see, they followed their intuition. It's like, ah, they, they followed what was serving what they thought was their intuition, or they ignored their intuition for what felt good in the moment, yep. whether that be following a toxic relationship or substance abuse, et cetera. Um, I think a lot of it comes with money. Money is a huge... It's a dangerous one. It's a very dangerous one. And not that, not that following your intuition is not going to bring you success and money. I believe it will. But along the, the way, uh, what's the quote? You, you can't have gold if you just keep on taking silver. Hmm. It's, there's silver along the road. And for me, I've had a lot of these experiences where it's like, uh, you know, business proposals or if you want to do this or you want to do that. And I know that there's not peace, but hey, 20 grand a month, like, you know, and it's that greed and, and that ego and the fear of like, how am I going to like replace this opportunity? Like that for me, finances and like money, mammon have been the things that I've really had to work through because, and I think that that's what happens with people as they get as they follow their intuition, there's, you talk about open doors, there's also doors that you got to slam shut. And I feel like that gets you farther than any walking through any open door is the doors that you slam shut. And here's the thing is people can be like, well, how do I make that decision? You know, you know. Yeah. And as you continue to follow your intuition and say no, it is going to be easier and easier to say no. Because I, I, had a, I had a situation last week, like really dope idea, really great business plan. They got the finances. Let's do it. You have the ability to do it. Like, let's make this happen. Seems great. There's something in me that if I were to say yes, I would be physically ill. Mm. Like, I would literally know that I'm going against what I'm supposed to do, even though it's, it looks really good. There's no, there's no logic as to why I should say no or say yes or say no. And I had to say no. And right when I said no, every single time I say no, it's like all these other doors open. I think, it's, I think it, following your intuition is the art of saying no um, because there's so many things to say yes to. And when you learn to say no, the the things that are your yes, like finally show itself. And so saying no, man. It's big. And uh, it reminds me of, I think it's Steve Jobs talking about kind of the greatest trait of any successful entrepreneur is focus. Mm -hmm. And I think when you think about the, the word focus or the concept of focus, it's singular. It's directing all of the attention and energy you have within yourself into a narrow, like think about light focusing, camera focusing, you were closing the aperture. You were saying this is a really amazing broad image. I could be looking all over the place, but I'm choosing to look at this one thing and keep that as my North Star, my compass. Um, you mentioned earlier though, to circle back to words, um, one that you use often in your content and talk about your story is trauma. And you've also mentioned Hermosi. So we, he, he is an interesting character in the zeitgeist and he presents like a really good, um, I guess like reverse. He has a very counter position to a lot of like common stuff around say therapy, trauma, etc. But I do agree with his take specifically that giving trauma permission for the actions you won't take um, holds you kind of back. I'm curious with your, how you communicate 
and give people permission to be experiencing things that may be hard, be it trauma, et cetera, or labeling it trauma, um, as opposed to stepping kind of away from it or, I don't know, I think the, the word itself is like very loaded and emotional. And it definitely it's also is. very ambiguous, Yeah, um, which I think creates a bit of trouble. Yeah, so there's gonna be a couple parts to this. Number one is everyone on this planet has dealt with trauma. I don't care who you are, everyone. And that could be from the ages of zero to three, there are things that are communicated to us as babies True. that feed into really two core wounds, fear of abandonment and fear that I'm not enough. And, or, and then there's fear of rejection, you know, all these things. But then, you know, I've had some, some traumatic things happen in my life, but there's people that have had even more traumatic things happen in their life. Or there's people that have had less, less traumatic things that have happened in my life. But at the end of the day, it's trauma. And what, and what trauma is, is being in a place to where you don't really have any control as a kid, really as a kid, that like, and people that are already dealing with this trauma are then putting that trauma on you. They're, they're acting out of their trauma. Um, you know, for example, this might seem small, but like uh, my dad was my coach. And as a young boy, your dad is your hero. And he was so tough on me because he wanted me to be the best. And everything that he did was to make me be the best, including being really, really hard on me. And it created a performance mindset in me to where it's like, if it's going back to what I said at the beginning, if I don't do this, I'm not enough. Well, when you think about my dad, like, why did he need me to be the best? Well, that came from a place of trauma, a place of fear that maybe he didn't feel like he was the best. Or maybe, you know, he had a fear that he would be like his dad because he was underfathered, so he overfathered me. And so it's this passing down of this trauma. So, and, and it comes in a lot of different ways, you know, but here's the thing is that we all feel the same pain. All of us, we all feel this pain. And so what Hormozzi's saying is like, yeah, it happened, but like, you don't have to live in that. Well, here's a quote that I love. It's that you're not responsible for the trauma and the things that happened to you, but you are responsible for your healing. Mm -hmm. hundred times out of a hundred, you are responsible for it. And that's when we get into the talk about victim and victim mindset. And here's the thing is that the world's not fair and people get things done to them that are terrible and things happen that suck really bad. And you can buy into the victim mentality of this. What was me? Why did this happen to me? And here's the thing that makes sense as to why you, you buy into that. Mm -hmm. But do you want to stop this trauma or do you want to continue to pass it along? And do you want peace in your life or do you want to deal with this, this black hole inside of you for your whole life? And so that's, that's the question that is, do you want to change? Do you want to be a difference? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to feel joy? Do you want to feel peace? Well, I'm sorry to tell you that that means that you have to take responsibility to turn around and face the fire because you can keep running from it your whole life, which, hey, if you want to do that, go for it. Um, but if you want to be better, if you want to feel peace, if you want to make a difference, then you're going to have to t have to turn around and face it. And I think that's what he's saying is the only way to get over your trauma is to go through it. And which means you have to turn around and that you have to face these things, these, you know, Jordan Peterson calls it like, it's just like this monster. Slaying the dragon. Yeah, slaying the dragon. And, and you got to go into the cave and you have to slay it yourself. And that's a decision. What that is, is that's taking responsibility for the things that were done to you. And what that does is put into, into perspective and realizing that the people that did it to you, that it was done to them. And the people that did it to them, it was done to them. And it's just this passing down over and over and over. And it's like, are you going to be the one 
to say no more in my bloodline. No more. My legacy is not going to be this. And that takes a very strong person to be able to say that. And it, and it takes people around that person to get them to that point of surrender. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's, that's what I believe with that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think one thing that's really powerful about him as essentially a philosopher is his decision to really operationally define words. Cause again, even, even in what you were saying, like trauma continues to like float as something that I felt it, you felt it, they felt it, but what, is it, what does it mean? And for his definition that he operationally defined is a memory that has permanently altered your behavior. Um, and it brings to mind another definition that I think is powerful from Dr. Joe Dispenza, which is memories without the emotion become wisdom. And I think they both blend well together um, because you, you go through events. They just are things that happened. And then the trauma is when you allow it to permanently change your behavior and alter it. I d and we call it trauma typically because it's a negative outcome, whether it forces you down the road of addiction, uh, abusive unconsciousness in relationships, whatever. But until you turn around and face the memory, re-experience it to the point where you let the emotion and the energy pass out of you and through you so that you can then just look at it for the lesson that it was trying to tell you. Because when there is still emotion, like if you say the name and you still cry or you feel fear and you're unsafe, it's, not, it's trauma. It is trauma yep. and it is not wisdom yet. Yeah, and, and here's the lie that we buy into is that if I face this, I'm going to die. Mm. If I face this, I'm not going to make it out. And here's the truth is you've already gone through the hard part. You've gone through the hard part. What you're feeling is, is not true. That fear that you're feeling in this state of delusion, in this state of, a, of an unregulated nervous system, like we buy into this fear of if I go back and face this, it's a survival response. My survival response is I have to, to tuck that away. I can't look at that because that is what that trauma triggered in you is I have to survive from here on out. And what healing is and what going through this process is, is realizing this survival response is not going to help me survive to the place that I want to be. Mm. Like, it's gotten me here. But I can't, I got to survive in a new way from here on out. I, wanna, I don't want to survive. I want to live. Thrive. You know? I want to thrive, yeah. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's a really scary thing. And I feel, I feel it because a lot of it's so subconscious and you don't know what you're feeling. It's like, when I think about it, it was like a blender of like everything that ever happened, all of my emotions just like, and I didn't know where to even start and I didn't know how that even looked. But when you face it, it hurts a lot less than you think. What are some of the ways that you have gone about and maybe even interestingly continue to go about bringing that unconscious to consciousness so that you are aware of it. Because I agree, like the cacophony of thoughts that are going on in our head, it's like this reverberation, like the thing that so-and-so said, the first thing you saw in your newsfeed, the conversation we had before, the email from last week, like it's all going on. Meanwhile, you're assessing your feelings, the intuition, like there's just all this noise. How do you parse out noise from signal? Um. So I think that there's two parts of this. If you are living in an unhealed state, there's, there, is a, there is a state that exists to where you are better and you're continually healing and evolving. And in this state over here where like things suck and you hate your life and like, like you, you just need to get out of it, what needs to happen at this place is a 911 there needs to be an uprooting. Like you need to be uprooted. All those things, like the, the fruit that, you're, that is coming out of your life, like for example, the fruit in my life was I lied. I was, I was an addict. Uh, I was insecure. I was a people, I was a people pleaser. Um, the, the roots of that were a foundation in our root system of fear. The seed of that was generational trauma. And so 
you are you are living and surviving out of a root system that is based out of something that is unhealed and hasn't you haven't faced it yet you have to face it and for me facing that was uh i believe god and the universe opened a door for me because i asked for help um and that door for me and it's not the same for everyone was to go to rehab and through that time of rehab was an uprooting and a replanting. And so that's the first thing you gotta, you gotta walk through is, is this replanting and this healing that takes place. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Uh, doesn't mean that sometimes the weeds won't sprout up. And so now you're kind of talking about the weeds. Um, I think it's an evolution over time of how you deal with it. And it's very organic and it's very natural. Um, you know, as when, when you're in that replanting time and you get the, those seeds are in the ground and it's uncomfortable and it's, you don't know if I'm, am I planted or am I buried? Like, I don't know if, is this the end of me? But really you're planted under all the soil and it's just, it's so ripe and ready to like spring out a new root system. That is when you need community around you. You need men around you. Or if you're a woman, you need women around you. You need people that have been there. And what you're doing in this time is you're learning to trust you and you're learning and you're going through therapy or you're going, you know, for me, it was EMDR therapy, you know, an, uh, inner child healing therapy. It's this reconnection. It's the, it's this babying. It's this gardening and you're taking care of yourself. Well, at a certain point, those roots, you know, as you go through this, there's going to be an awakening. There's going to be a new understanding, a spiritual awakening, and you're going to start you're going to be back in tune with you. It's a reintroduction to you that you haven't known in a long time. Well, then you need people around you that are going to push you to listen to that part of you that for so long you've muted. And that's uncomfortable too. Like it's going to tell you thing. It's going to tell you to do things that make no sense. Zero sense. Quit your job. Um, you know, Go talk to this person. It's, it's going to ask you to do uncomfortable things because where you've gotten to this point is not where you're supposed to be. This is the detour period. You're, about, you're detouring out of this into your purpose. And so you have to take action and you need people around you to help you take that action. Well, then as, as things change and as they evolve, your, your life is back on course and, you, and this confidence and trust is built with a higher power and with yourself. Well, then things start to go well, but at the same time, weeds are always going to sprout up. We're humans. And so for me, I think that there's two things, is remembering and silence. I remember, I remember where I was. I remember what has happened in my life. I remember the fear that I felt in this moment and saying yes to the uncomfortability and how it turned out. I remember that. It's like, it's like setting up these memorials in your life to be like, the, the uncomfortable moment took me here. And if, it, if I wouldn't have done it and I wouldn't have sat in it, I would never be where I'm at today. And so it's that remembrance of saying, I've been there, this is a pattern, and I know that if I can sit through this and listen to the uncomfortable voice, that whisper, and go with it, even with all the noise, it's going to take me to the right place. But what does that remembering look like? Because life does get hectic, there's things that come up. Like it's an easy excuse to disconnect from that. How do you like make space for that? Well, I think I make space for it through the silence. Okay. And silence is... Silence and nature are huge healers. Um, really what it is, it's a recalibration. You're, you know... Your phone, your iPad, you need a software update. And as a human, we need an update. Weekly, daily, whatever that looks like. And so for me, it's taking time to reflect. And it's a lot of things do happen and a lot of noise. And, and so it's, and what that is, is it's a sorting. And, and you do it naturally as you, as you think and as you sit and as, you're, as you ponder and as you think. Think about ancient times. Like people didn't have phones like... People that weren't all over the place, you, flying from Atlanta to here, and fly, you know, people had time to think. And 
when you have this new root system of positivity and healing, you're, and, and, you've, and you've done the uncomfortable things, your brain and your thoughts will start to sort out the bullshit. You know, this isn't going to work out. Or I'm fearful because this client hasn't signed and I, I really need them to sign so I can hit, you know, all of these thoughts. And it's like, okay, these are negative thoughts. And what am I fearful about? And hey, these are actually, this fear is actually a gift because it's telling me that I need to surrender it. And then it goes back into the remembrance of the trust of what happened. Uh, I had these thoughts when I was in rehab and it was a thought kind of like this and I surrendered it. And I said, listen, I'm not buying into this and I'm choosing in this moment to say, I'm going to tap into this whisper. I'm going to tap into this uncomfortability and I'm going to realize that it's going to take me where I'm supposed to go. It's a positive, abundant outlook. And so that is what silence does for me is gets me back in that space. And hey, here's the thing. In five minutes, I might have another negative thought. And, but I just, I just cleaned house. Like I just, I just reflected. I just went through my conscious. So now it's like, okay, I have this thought. Why am I thinking that? Like everything's good. Let's, let's, I'm not, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to have that conversation with myself, but I'm going to say, Hey, what are you worried? Do you think that you're not going to be provided for? Look at the work that you've put in. Look at what we've done. Like, look at what God's doing in your life. All of these things, it's, you're talking to these thoughts. And so silence is a huge part of that. And if, if we're doom scrolling or all, whatever you're talking, you know, you talked about doom scrolling. If you're constantly busy, these subconscious thoughts build up. And so you have to have time to reflect. And you have to have time to be in silence. And, and here's the thing. People don't do it because it's uncomfortable. Because I don't want to feel this feeling. I don't want to feel this feeling of fear. Um, I don't want to be in this place of um, being scared. And, and if I think about this thought or if I ponder on it, it's going to be even more scary. It's uncomfortable. So it's just a life of doing uncomfortable things. And that co- uncomfortable thing becomes your comfort. And so it's just a, it's an evolving process that you need people around you to help you get to. And then at a certain point, obviously, you'll always have people in your life speaking into your life. But at a certain point, you, you are the captain of your own ship. Completely agree. Um, I, silence is super profound. Uh, for my birthday last year, I did a five-day silent retreat and fast um, because it was hard. Because yep. I knew it was going to be hard and I was curious to see what could kind of come of it. I did a podcast about that, if anyone's more curious, um, at length. But it is kind of remarkable what kind of stuff bubbles up that you just didn't know was still in there. Um, it doesn't even necessarily have to be problematic, but you just have no idea how noisy the world is. And then when you create space for that stillness, there, there is, like, I, I think the biggest part was in, like, right when I got dropped off. You know, the car drives away, I'm in this cabin alone. And then y- y- there's almost like you're humming, like you're just vibrating fast because of the previous environment you came from, being around other people talking, and the environment is so still, and, and you kind of have to settle into that space. But once you settle into that space, you are with the stillness, and it's why nature is that healing, because I think it brings our like resonance frequency, like just chill out, um, and, it, and it does provide that healing. With words being kind of centric to our conversation today, I, I, did, I do find it interesting the words that people choose to use whether they tattoo it on their body um, and in the social world, like what they put in their bio. I think it's extremely profound. Some people may just unconsciously, but I know you're very intentional with how you use your platform. Your bio, at least to the last time I checked it, says still figuring it out. What are you still figuring out? I believe that every day is different. And I believe that every situation is different and circumstance is different. And so it kind of goes back to what we just talked about of every day I'm going to have to figure this out. Every day there's going to be a new thought. Every day there's going to be, you know, I wouldn't call it a battle. It's, you know, every day is going to be a a new fear. Every day is going to be, and, and it's like, well, once I get to this place, it doesn't work like that. Like, you know, one day I'm going to be at a hundred thousand followers. Well, you get there and you're like, you know, or I'm going to be here and I'm going to be making this much money. Like it, 
your, our brains don't work like that. And so I would say still figuring it out is still cal recalibrating <laughs> every day. And here's the other thing is the reason I put that on there is because I want people to know that I'm human and I don't have everything figured out. I'm not, I'm not a certified coach. I'm not a therapist, but I have, what I have figured out is that I trust myself hmm. and with that comes still figuring it out, <laughs> if that makes sense, because yeah. it's just, it's, what would life be if we didn't figure things out? Like, what would it be? I don't want to have it all figured out because if I have it all figured out, then like, where's the adventure? Where's the journey? And so every day is, I feel like for me, there is a vision, but it's so foggy and I'm taking it day by day. And with that, it's like, it's like this pioneering for me of, it's not like I'm pioneering this big thing for the world. It's I'm pioneering a life for myself. Mm. And with that comes waking up, checking the compass, feeling the feelings. Is this the right move? What is my intuition saying? And so it's, it's a constant figuring it out. And here's the thing is, is we've been given the ability to figure it out. And so that's, why, that's what I meant, meant from that. What is something that you still actively, I guess, struggle with? Like, what is the biggest point, point of resistance? I think, I think for me, so in, in AA, there's a thing called the addiction cycle. And it, it talks about, and I'm just going to go through it real quick, but it's restless, irritable, and discontent. It starts here. From that becomes obsessing. You start obsessing about how do I make this go away? How do I make this restlessness, this irritableness, and this discontentment go away? From there, from the obsession, you, you decide you're going to use, whether that's, for me, it was drugs. For some people, it's overworking too hard or overworking or whatever you want to call it. So I use. From there, it goes, starts a spree. From the spree, you get caught from, the, from being caught, you make a firm resolution to stop. And then you stop, and then you're restless, irritable, and discontent again. A day later, two weeks later, a month later, whatever. Every single human being on this earth is going to deal with restless, irritable, and discontent. And for me, the struggle in my life is finding a way to figure out how to combat these thoughts. Um, I think another thing is that sometimes I, I don't live in the moment. You know, it's just like, which, which is what we're talking about, the silence and the reflection. It's like, there are things that I have to do in my life, whether it's working out, I got to work out, I got to sweat daily. I, I got to go like put in the work. Like, uh, you know, I have to reflect. I need to get this, this amount of work done. I, need, I want to get up early in the morning. I want to feel good. Like, there's things that you have to do. I want to put this in my body. Like, I want to make sure that like, I'm eating well. And so those are like very base level things. But then it's like I have to bring my set, myself back down to like why am I restless? And I've been dealing with restlessness lately a lot more than I had been months before. And... It is this buzz that you're talking about. It's just like this, you know, the opportunity of like, well, this is going off and this is happening. And like, and it's just this urgency. And I cannot buy into the urgency. Urgency is restlessness. And restlessness is the voice of anxiety. Mm. Um, and so it's just a constant battle with restlessness and, and discontentment and, and irritability that I'm not where I need to be. Um, but I'm very well aware. I'm aware of that. And, and that's, I'm not going to let, I think what, what makes a difference in me is I know I'm not going to respond to it. Mm. And maybe one day I won't be restless. Maybe one day, like, but that's why I'm still figuring it out. I know that I'm not going to react to that. I know I'm not going to respond in a way that, you know, buys into that urgency. Uh, but battling those feelings with truth and abundance, um, 
that comes down to daily practices, which is silence and reflection and working out. And, and, you know, I could do a lot better at it too. You know, I could, I could always be better. I could always take more time. I could always, you know, and so I would say, I would say that's my struggle. And the root of that is ego and the root of that is fear. And so I think life is always holding these two things, root ego, ego and fear, and then peace and in, in your true self and that the, the present moment and like, you know, your future's over here and I got to make these decisions. And so it's like it, life is literally about surrendering. And so it's just a constant surrender. And I, I, I don't know if that's ever going to change, but I'm glad, I'm glad I get to make the choice to surrender daily. Yeah, I really love that you ended on, on surrender because as I kind of continue to explore like these great wisdom texts and philosophers and what schools of thought, like coming from that Christian upbringing and then circling back to the Bible now, you start to see when you're not looking for like dogmatic truth or religious truth, like proving that like, you know, my words are right, your words are wrong, my, my group of people is right, your group of people is wrong. You start to see that that is the answer. Some people call it like, have a fear of God, re respect God's plan for your life. Other people like in the East, it is kind of this Taoist, like there is only the way, um, just let go. And, and it is like often used like the word of surrender. And I think that there is so much truth to it. And it seems like this mushy, like, okay, surrender, whatever, like, just let go. But to me, like, what's the alternative? Is that you grip on to creating and manifesting and, like, strong-arming your future into reality. And while I believe in the power of manifestation, like our thoughts creating reality, I, I know that it would be extremely arrogant of myself to say that I know how things should work out or I know how things will work out even beyond that. No doubt. And I've come to a complete understanding that there is a balance here, mm. a balance in trusting myself and a balance in realizing that I'm in no control at all. Zero. Because when I choose to trust myself, what I'm also choosing to trust is something bigger than me. And that means there's an inner trusting myself and trusting God are one and the same. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Oh, like, it does. And, and not that I'm saying I'm God. Well, that's, the, that's right. the, like a huge, it's an important delineation, but yes. it's really powerful because I think it, again, like all the, at least to my best ability, like all the texts are trying to sell, sell that same truth. I am that I am. Like the word Yahweh means God in me. And so that, that power, whatever you're tapping into, infinite consciousness, the collective consciousness, intuition, the field, like whatever words resonate with you yes. and resonate, obviously vibration, it's an important yes, word as well. for sure. Um, whatever can you connect with greatly, the point is that you're connecting with something greatly. Right. And it's guiding you. And, and the present moment, like being as present as possible is kind of that best solution. Extremely hard in practice, but extremely practical if you dissolve into that practice because that self-trust, like being here in the room, you, me, these mics, these cameras, it's just us. There's only this moment. There is not the flight that I took to get here. There's not the flight that I'm taking to get home. There's not the DMs I have to send. There's not the cold outreach, the fulfillment, the con there's none of it. it. We are just here. And by being extremely present, I get to give like the maximum of which my gift is to the world, which is at this moment, the only thing I can control is how I'm showing up to this conversation yes, with you. No doubt. No doubt. And man, it's hard to put into words. Like, Very. Like, it's hard to put into words because there is a side of like manifestation and like I'm in control of my own life and all these things. And it's like, that's true, but then there's but. also, <laughs> I am a part of something way bigger, and there is this director in me that's telling me where to go, that is me, but it's, I'm only the branch, but there's a vine, and so there's like the, a head central intelligence system that's telling, and so it's like, uh, there's a guy named Dallas Willard, he was like head of philosophy at USC 
but he was also a pastor. And he had a quote, and I think it goes, uh, God's will for you, what God wants for you is for you to have your own will, not his will. Hmm. Because your will is his will. And what comes with that is a shit ton of mystery. I have no clue what tomorrow brings. I, like, am I going to write a book? I don't, I don't know. Like, and that is what I've had to buy into is that I have no clue. But I know in this present moment that my intuition, God, me, is going to tell me how to make this decision in front of me. Think about like Abraham in the Bible, man. Like we're, we're kind of in the same place when it comes to Christianity. <laughs> like I, I have way more questions than answers. And I think that's a good thing. But one thing I love about that story is God said, I want you to leave here and go to a land that I'll tell you. He didn't say, hey, I want you to leave here and go to Egypt. No, he's like, I'll go to a land that I'll tell you. And if I don't live my life that way, if I don't live with the mystery of like, I'm going to a land that this intuition is telling me and I have no clear, clue where it is. Um, is, it even a, is it even a place? Is it, is it, you know what I mean? And so it's like, but what that means is that I then have to become very, very, very comfortable with the uncomfortable. And the uncomfortable is the mystery. And the mystery, once the mystery becomes our best friends, like people are like, well, what's your plan? Keep making content. Uh, do a pod today. Yeah, you know, show, show up today. Sign some clients. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is what I feel like. I'm, yeah, I need to make business moves. Yes, there's strategy. All you know, all. But like, when you get down to the simplicity of it, it's like I have no clue where I'm going, and I have no plan. The plan is to listen in, and to be present. And I love that your your hat says art is dangerous because I think like art is a great descriptor of what we are doing, but also everyone making your life a masterpiece. Like one of the, in the Vitruvian Manifesto that I've written like for my business, it says like you are, you are the artist and his masterpiece. And I think that our life, we are both creating it, but it is who we create ourselves to be across that, that becomes the work of art. And all of these great artists athletes like the greatest people that we look at throughout history that created these like timeless works of art writing film etc unanimously like every single one of them using their own words says something to the degree of i have no idea where this came from it came through me like i was literally just the conduit yep. like somebody's like where did you get your great idea or how did you hit that game winning shot they're like i was unconscious like the, the phrase in sports, he's going unconscious. Like what, what do we think that means? He's tapping into the unconscious mind, which is what? An antenna? Like you can't, we, we have no way to describe it. We know more about the bottom of the ocean or the great depths of space than we do about the unconscious mind. And I think that that is what it is. It's like tapping into the ether that like we're tethering in greatness, God, the universe, um, and co-creating these amazing moments, whether it is, Game seven winning shot or, you know, a Picasso. Yeah. And I think that's so important to talk about is that subconscious, unconscious mind is like going back to what we we're talking about is like when you have that filter of unhealed trauma. Right. It's impossible to tap into this, which is why the journey of healing and taking responsibility and doing the hard thing and walking through that pain We'll get you here. But here is just mystery. But it's the most peace you'll ever feel. Here is I have all the answers, and if I control this, and if, like, this is the answers, and this is the questions, and you would think it's switched. But the more that you heal, the more questions that you have, the more that you're reprogrammed, the more mystery that you're okay to, to take in. It's like, um, you know, I saw... I saw a video and it was like this guy, he's a singer. He was like, my daughter's been asking me about death. She's, she's five years old. And he wrote a song. He's like, I've been thinking about dying and like what that means. And like, you know, my neighbor says that this is it. My daughter says that there's more, there must be more to this. And it's like, it's just, it encapsulates what I'm saying of like, I'm okay with the mystery. 
And I know that there's something bigger because it's connected with me. And I know that it's led me. And I know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to lead me. And I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to call me out when I need to be a better husband. It's going to call me out when I'm a father one day. Of, like, it's like, that's all I need, if that makes sense. And the restlessness comes from back here, the ego saying, I need to know more. And it's just like, no, I have to come back here. I'm in the present. This is all I need. And I can plan and I can think and I can dream. And, but I've had to really focus that energy in on my art and my expression. Like that creative energy can turn into fear energy if you let it. And so it's like it's always bringing yourself back to the mystery. Back to the mystery because the mystery never steered us wrong. And I think that's just like what I'm trying to figure out of, of what that means. And I have no clue. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, JB, I think we could go back and forth all day. There's so many other things I want to touch on, but uh, it certainly begets a part two. Um, but there are three closer questions I ask every single guest on my podcast. The first of which is if you could go back to a younger version of yourself and tell him one thing, what would that be? Hmm. That's a good question. Man, I know this probably sounds crazy, um, but I, I think from what I've been through, I don't want any of it to change. And I would just tell him, hold on. Mm. Because if I didn't go through the hard times, if I didn't go through the trauma, I wouldn't be me. And I, don't, I wouldn't want him, those things, those things formed me and made me, I, I wouldn't want to save him from it. Um, because it's what made me and it's what drew me to the mystery. And I would just say, hold on. And I love you and I'm going to be here for you, but just know it's all going to work out and, and it's going to hurt. And it's, there's going to be things that, you know, that you're going to have to walk through and you're going to make some dumbass decisions. Um, but that's okay because it's all going to work out. And so I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't save him from anything because it's what made him. Amazing. Secondly, what is one quote that has always stuck with you or that you try to live by? Uh, the quote is, and God said to love your enemies. And so I listened and I chose to love myself. Mm. I love that. And then finally, what do you believe is your unique gift to give the world? I think my unique gift is myself. Mm. Uh, you know, we talk about like talents and giftings. I, like people ask me like, what's your purpose? And my purpose is to be me. Uh, that's all I can give. And so what I will give and continue to give is me. I love it. Couldn't, couldn't have a better answer, brother. Um, I appreciate you. Appreciate this. Uh, where can the people find you? What are you working on? Um, I'm on Instagram, JB underscore Copeland. Uh, we're going to be working on some vlogs here pretty soon. We're going to go, oh, we're going to be doing like a, a Bourdain type. We're going to go to like he, different healing journeys. So like um, at the end of this month, we're going to the Virgin Islands, me and the crew. And we're going to go through something called Fight Weekend. And it's just like all men and really what I want to do is travel around to different places and experience healing there however that person does it and um, you know I want to go deeper in my life I want to explore more like there's another one in uh, I can't remember where it's at but it's it's called it's called uh, sky cave retreats like darkness nice. retreats yeah, yeah. and you go and you you sit in the dark for three days. <laughs> so like things like that are, are, you know, people are, can expect some of that stuff coming out pretty soon. Um, and the man, like I said, I have no clue, but I think I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> I know that I'm going to keep on posting. Amazing. So that's, that's all I can promise. That's super exciting. Well, you definitely get the, the YouTube subscription from me. Um, and we'll be staying in touch on socials and everything. For sure. For those that have made it this far, I always like to thank the people that soldier on to the end. I know there was value 
from JB all the way to the end, so thank you. Um, if you want more of this, you can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Z-D-S-C-H-E-N-K-E-N. -E -E you can follow, you've probably found this on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube for the behind the scenes of this vlog, how I got here, um, and more content like that coming along as I live my little adventure. Maybe we'll meet in the island somewhere and, and go, yeah, to war with some, <laughs> go to war with some trauma. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you. And for everybody listening, thank you for spending your time and attention, your most valuable resources with myself and JB today. Memento Mori, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Vitruvian Podcast. And if he fails, at least fails while daring great, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls know neither victory nor defeat.